Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. It's that time again. You know where you are. This is the Cashflow Guys Podcast. I am Tyler Chef, your host, and we're going to talk about who you're serving this week. And I'm going to try to keep this episode short for you guys. I know you got a lot going on. I say that tongue in cheek. I'm probably going to go on for an hour and 10 minutes. I'm just kidding. Try to keep it real short, but we're going to talk about how to learn your investor, your individual investor identity. I think this is something that a lot of investors overlook because when I say it, they kind of look at me strange. They look at me like, dude, we talk about investor identity. I have no idea what you're talking about. My identity is my name's Timmy. Nope, a little farther than that. And this really comes down to who you're serving, which is why I named the episode that. Let's start out with talking about, well, why is this important? First of all, here's the thing. You guys have heard me talking a lot about marketing lately, about generating leads, about getting people to notice, well, that what you have to offer, that you exist, that it matters, that people should take, listen to you, should heed what you're saying as good, solid advice. So with that said, we have to make sure that our marketing message reaches an audience that we're trying to attract. Here's what I mean by this. Let's say, for example, that you are somebody who buys mobile home parks, okay? Does it make sense for you to market to apartment building owners? Well, the answer is no, it doesn't. Because you're not serving apartment building owners, you're serving multi or, uh, mobile home parks owners instead. That said, within the mobile home parks, there are different types of mobile home parks. There are some mobile home parks that are gorgeous. They look like, I don't know, something like a, a massive resort type complex, right? See some of these down in Florida a lot. There's a lot of down here in Florida. Lots of mobile home parks that got all kinds of amenities. I mean, I'm not just talking shuffleboard. I'm talking like really nice resort style stuff, steam rooms, exotic swimming pools, beachfront, you name it. You can go on and on and on. Well, they serve a certain audience. That type of property serves a certain type of client. That said, if you have to be able to make sure that your investor identity matches that of the tenants or the, the customer that you plan to serve. Okay. More importantly, you have to aside for the marketing message. And one thing I see a lot of investors do that is a big mistake is they spend a lot of time and effort marketing to everybody. As I ask them, like, who's your customer? And they look at me like I got three heads. Well, that's a valid question. Who is your customer? Who are you trying to send your marketing message to? So if you're doing the classic, we buy houses that it seems like every real estate investor comes up with, that's your, your big, uh, home run. We buy houses. Well, that's not very specific. How about we buy houses in St. Petersburg, Florida? We buy how we buy waterfront houses. And granted, guys, I hate the we buy houses thing. It's just ridiculous. It's way overused. But let's just just humor me for a second. Hear me out. We buy houses. We buy waterfront houses uh, in Seminole, Florida, Madeira Beach, Florida, or something like that. Bottom line is you have to niche down your message when you're doing your marketing to make sure you reach the right audience. That said, as a buy and hold or a wholesaler or a flipper, or whatever flavor of investing you're involved in, you're going to first need to understand your own individual investor identity to better be able to determine what type of folks you are going to be most likely to inter to interact with. And here's what I mean by that. Let's say, for example, let's use me, for example, I'm a regular guy. Um, in the family, we've got two Ford F-150s. We got a 2018 and a 20, 2004, and we drive a, a Jeep Cherokee, or not Jeep Cherokee, a Jeep Wrangler, a 2017 Jeep Wrangler. So what does that tell you? That tells you that I like Ford trucks. Obviously, I've got two of them. And it also tells you that I like to go off-roading, which is why I have a Jeep. And my vehicles are not showy, flashy, like my Jeep is not all boosted and 
whatnot. Not that it won't be. It just doesn't make sense right now for me to do that. And really because, you know, my wife won't let me. There's that because she doesn't want it any higher. So she doesn't get dirt on her when she gets in and out of the Jeep. And that's a whole other story. But I'm a, I'm a regular dude, right? I'm somewhere between what I'll call Walmart and Target. I'm not the kind of guy that would ever, no matter how much money I had or didn't have, I would never go out and buy a Lambo. I think that is a, a, just not a car for me. That's somebody. That's a car for somebody that's got something to prove. I don't really have much to prove. I'm just a regular dude, and I do deals that allow me to build cash flow over time so that I don't have to work because I'm really lazy at the end of the day, right? That's that's who I am. That's my investor identity. So I'm somewhere in this Walmart Target. So you might be thinking, what is this Walmart Target thing you're talking about, Tyler? If you guys go way back to like probably the first, I don't know, a couple dozen episodes, I did touch on this a little bit back then, but I want to deep dive this time so, you get, so you're a little more clear on exactly what I mean. And I think this is going to help a lot of you get really centered with, number one, what you're paying attention to because time is money, right? If we can't be focusing on everything that's for sale or we're not going to accomplish anything, right? They say, the man who chases many rabbits catches done, the old, the old proverb says, which is true. You can't be out there running around looking for beachfront properties and D-class, um, oh my God, I'm going to get shot collecting the rent type properties in the same day because you're not, that. what that tells me is you're not clear on your message. You're not clear on what you're trying to accomplish. Your goals are unclear. You're not focused. And when you're not focused, you're scattered. And when you're scattered, you're spending money that you don't need to spend marketing to people that aren't going to listen to your message in the first place. So let's avoid all that. And let's, let's distill it down. We're going to start this with who are you? Because here's the thing. And this is what I figured out the hard way. You can only serve, you can best, I shouldn't say only serve, you can best serve the people you are most like. Okay. So the easiest way I can describe this is the way it was taught to me by one of my mentors. His name is Jay Massey on Cash Flow Diary. And he taught me about breaking it down using department stores, which I like to shop. So why not? Let's use department stores. Let's use the example of a white t shirt. You're going to buy a white t shirt. And uh, for whatever reason, you just want a white t-shirt. Maybe you're going to wear it under a shirt. Maybe you're going to wear it as a shirt. Who knows? doesn't matter. Let's start at the top. You've all heard of Nordstrom or maybe Bloomingdale's or someplace like that. And you can go, you can buy a white t-shirt there. You absolutely can buy a white t-shirt there. But the thing you got to think about is what's the experience and what type of person goes to Nordstrom or Bloomingdale's or Macy's or someplace like that to buy a white t-shirt. Somebody like me, not so much because I know that I can get a white t-shirt a lot cheaper at another store. And I also know that I'm probably going to spill something on it anyway. So why would I spend a bunch of money on a white t-shirt at Nordstrom unless maybe it's got some sort of emblem on it and I'm trying to impress somebody. But at the end of the day, I don't try to impress people. That's why I drive a Jeep because it's practical and it'll probably last me the rest of my life. That said, I'm not your typical Nordstrom type dude. Nordstrom would be a class A type tenant, okay? So if you're thinking of multifamily apartment buildings, for example, they assign classes in multifamily apartment buildings. They don't do this so much with mobile home parks. Some, some do, some don't. But this is most common in apartment buildings. So let's, But understand, it still applies no matter what type of property you invest in. This applies if you've got single-family houses. This applies if you've got single mobile homes or mobile home parks or apartment buildings or whatever you want. It applies. Trust me, it applies across all gamuts. So that said, the Nordstrom person walks into Nordstrom to buy that t-shirt. They're probably wearing shoes that are more than one of my Jeep payments. And not that there's anything wrong with that. I like shoes too. Boy, expensive ones. That, that's the case. 
But walking into Nordstrom with an expensive pair of shoes, maybe they got a fancy watch on. They're looking pretty sharp and pretty dapper. And when they get there, the experience is, is that someone greets them at the door and asks them if they'd like a, a, a bottle of water. Or perhaps they'd like maybe a, a little bit of espresso or, or a cappuccino. It's a higher rated experience. And yes, I'm embellishing a little bit on this, of course, depending on what store you're at, but it's a higher level of service walking into the store. And of course, that comes at a price and people are willing to pay for that. For example, you can go to your local county golf course or the city golf course, or you can go to the local country club. It's going to be two completely different experiences. One of them has a gourmet chef. The other one's flipping, you know, the other, the, the city place is flipping burgers out back where they got a hot dog cart running around, right? Totally different experience based on where you're at, what price point you're at. Now let's move down to Target. You guys have seen Target anywhere. If you're all in the U.S., you've seen Target stores. It's, you know, the ones in the red there. And you can go to Target anywhere in the country and pretty much everything is the same. You've got lower quality products that are lower priced and it's a different experience walking in the door. Number one, there's way too much red. It's amazing. People don't go crazy in those stores as much red as there. But anyway, I digress. Walking into Target is a different experience than, than it is walking into Nordstrom. It smells differently. It looks differently. It sounds differently. Everything about it is different. Does it make it bad? Not necessarily. Somebody like me, well, I don't mind Target. But I do, I'm, I'm somewhere in the cusp of between Walmart and Target myself where, I'm, where my comfort zone is, okay? So do I understand the Target customer? Absolutely. I know what they're looking for. They're looking for something a little fancier than what you could get at Walmart. They're still looking for a white t-shirt, but they're not necessarily willing to pay 150 bucks for a white t-shirt. They're more comfortable paying $30 for a, for a designer t-shirt. And if they want a, an espresso, there happens to be a Starbucks kiosk or little in-store restaurant right there at Target where they can go up to the counter and they can order their espresso, but nobody's going to bring it to them. You see it in the Nordstrom, Nordstrom space. Somebody's going to bring them that, that uh, espresso in the Target space. They can still get the espresso. It will probably, they'll have to go stand in line to get it like everybody else. They can get their espresso, go on to their shopping. So that's one type of experience. So think to yourself, where do you shop when you just go get your average white t-shirt? That's going to pretty much put you in that box. And I know saying that I'm putting people in a box may trigger some people. I don't mean to trigger anybody. And if I do go to your safe place and cry, I'm sorry. I didn't want to, didn't want to offend any of the snowflakes out there. That said, Let's talk about Walmart. Walmart is where the middle of middle class Joe six pack, I guess the quote back in the day, a couple of election cycles ago, it's where your average American goes to shop when somebody needs a loaf of bread or I don't know, something for the uh, fertilizer for the front yard. Chances are they're going to go to Walmart. There's a Walmart. It seems like in every community, the average person goes there. They sell white t-shirts anywhere from $3 and 97 cents to $19 and 97 cents, depending on what's on them. They're very similar to the Target t-shirt. They're very similar to the Nordstrom t-shirt. The difference really is the level of quality. Okay, you're going to get the lower quality product. And this is generally, of course, a lower quality product at Walmart than you would at Target or Nordstrom. It's still a new white t-shirt. It may just fit a little differently. Maybe it's a different fabric. Maybe the cotton is different. It's a different experience walking into a Walmart. Okay. You're going to walk into Walmart and you're going to have to use those things to clean the cart because those people you see on those YouTube videos were just shopping there before you. And some of the folks walking around Walmart say it are a little bit scary. So you kind of make sure you clean the cart before you use it because that's kind of gross. 
and you see some interesting, entertaining things walking around Walmart. I'll tell you guys stories someday. If you ever watch the uh, Cashflow Cashflow Roadshow channel on YouTube, I'm going to start doing a video series on things I see at Walmart now that I got a GoPro 8. I think that'll be fun. And you guys can get a good kick out of that, what I can see in rural America <laughs> at Walmart. But let's admit that you go into each one of those three stores, you're going to see three different types of folks, three different shopping experiences, three different products that by name are the same, white t-shirt, but they're very different in quality in how they're presented in the experience, the customer experience walking in the door, going through the back, okay? So ask yourself this question as somebody who has at some point, hopefully rented a property at one point in your life. I hope that you're not living at home in your mom's basement and you're 40, but I'm sure there are a couple of you are. And if so, then, you know, be nice to mom. Just move, please just move. <laughs> anyway, uh, what things matters to you about where you live? Ask yourself that question. Like wherever you live now, look around you and go, what made you decide to move in here? I don't care whether you own or your rent. It doesn't really matter. What matters is what made you choose to live there? Was it that it had an amazing view of downtown Hollywood or LA or something? Uh, did it have a mountain vista view where you could see, I don't know, you could see Yellowstone Park or you could see someplace in Utah and the view was gorgeous or Maybe you're in New York and you're overlooking the East River and you want to, you know, see the mafia victims floating down the river. Who knows what, why you bought where you want to buy, but ask yourself that question. What about where you live? What amenities made sense to you? If it was viewed, did that matter? Was that even factored in? See, that's going to, that's also going to impact your tenant and who you serve. Where I'm going with this is got to ask yourself is the person that is the, the thing that you perceive to be valuable is everybody else going to perceive that to be valuable? Here's a good example. Let's say that you love marching bands and you think it's the coolest thing in the world to watch marching bands. I kind of dig marching bands. I think they're pretty awesome. It's amazing how they can all get together and do that. And we have a marching band here in town that we're, when we're here in Tarpon Springs, one of the top rated in the country. And we love hearing them play. You can hear them all through town when they're practicing. That said, to some people, marching bands are like nails on a chalkboard. They don't like it. It's too loud. It's too noisy. They hate the music. Whatever it may be, they don't like it. So for me, a place where a marching band might practice might be more beneficial. I might enjoy that better than somebody that doesn't like marching bands, for example. Okay. So if the if I'm buying, considering acquiring a new property, it's going to be a rental, or for that matter, even a flip. I want to make sure that I'm going to serve people that kind of fall in my, my parameters of what I look for. Okay. And, I'm, and the, using the band is a bad example. Let's just say waterfront. I love the idea of waterfront living. I love to look out my door and see the ocean. I think that's cool. Jill and I've lived on the water uh, before I've lived in the water before I was with Jill and I really, really enjoy living on the water. As I've gotten older though, I start thinking about at what cost. And to these days, it means less to me to live on the water than it used to. So I'm less likely to pay a premium to live on the water as I think about things like storms and the damage and the insurance drama and all that garbage that goes with it. It The cons, in my opinion, outweigh the pros. That's just us. We just, we'd love to live on the water, but we're not willing to pay the premium to do it right now. It's not what's important to us. Instead, we bought a motorhome and we're traveling the country. That That's more important to us. That said, a waterfront property is going to have less appeal to somebody like me as a rental than it would maybe somebody like you that absolutely has to be on the beach. You've got to be on the water. It's what you live for. Okay. So things like this come into play when you're choosing who you're going to serve. 
Now, when you go into the different classes that Walmart, Target, Nordstrom, ask yourself this question, which one are you, Walmart, Target, or Nordstrom? For me, I'm probably more towards the Walmart thing, right? Not one of the entertainment ones, but I'm just a regular dude wearing flip-flops walking through Walmart. I'm not the kind of guy that's going to pull up to Walmart and Lambo, but I, that's who I identify best with. If I'm going to think about who I'm going to have as my customer, who I can most understand, it's going to be the Walmart person. I understand the needs of Joe Sixpack, the average American. I don't believe that I'm out of touch. If you guys have ever watched any sort of political debate or heck, any politician speak, every one of them is completely out of touch with America. They're all sitting in their ivory tower doing their thing, whatever. I'm not going to go into details on that. But the point is they're so out of touch with who they serve that that's why they all pretty much do a terrible job because they don't understand the customer. They don't understand who they're serving. So if you're a Walmart person, you should be looking at maybe acquiring Walmart type properties. That said, there is one little category here I didn't mention. That's called D-class, D as in David, or dollar store. You guys walk in a dollar store, everything's a dollar, but everything's really cheaply made. It's the experience. They're usually dirty stores and they're in depressed areas. And I don't buy, I used to buy dollar store properties. I don't buy them anymore. I've learned my lesson. Why? Well, because I'm not good at serving that tenant. The only way I got good at serving that tenant was by hiring a property management company that was really good at it. However, I still had a hard time understanding what makes these folks think that what you'd provide them a nice place to live and they destroy it in five minutes. I never understood the logic behind that. I wasn't willing to take the time, call me ignorant, but to take the time and the money to figure it out. So I got rid of all those properties. Instead, I like to be somewhere in that Walmart target range because I understand those people. Okay. I, I can relate. I grew up as a Walmart slash target kid. Now my parents were, were thrifty, but my mom and dad both made really good money. My mom was a real estate broker for many years. My dad was always in some sort of sales or marketing job and we had an above average income. So if you looked at us from an income perspective, we were probably more towards the target Nordstrom way, but my parents being very conservative, we lived more like Walmart slash target. That's why my folks did, didn't get overextended, right? I fortunately did not pick up that skill from them. I got myself overextended when I was young. I learned my lesson moving on. That said, ask yourself when you're buying a property, what is it about this property do you like? Is it really it's going to sound good talking to your buddies in the gym? Hey, I bought that property over on the water over there. Or does it make financial sense? And ask yourself when you're doing a deal, what, are you willing to talk, to this, to talk about this deal to someone? To anyone that'll listen, that usually tells you that you believe it's a pretty good deal. If you're not willing to talk about the deal to anyone, that usually tells you that it's probably a deal that you're not comfortable with. And that usually comes from you're buying something in, that serves a certain type of customer that you are having a difficult time identifying with. Here's an example. Let's say you've got a light bulb going out. A light bulb is a kitchen lights out and at a place you buy, right? You got this beautiful place down on the beach, a light bulb goes out. Well, I'm here to tell you, when someone's shelling out four grand a month or five grand a month to pay you rent, to rent their golf front property, they expect someone to show up to change that light bulb. That is a reasonable expectation in the Nordstrom class. Not to say it will happen in every case, but folks that are paying a premium expect a certain level of service that is different than the other investor identities. That said, now I don't get that. My response to that is get off your lazy ass, get a ladder and climb up there and change the bulb. Check the breaker, turn it on right? I'm not going to be really good at serving that type of person, but the target person, well, the target person will probably call an electrician. 
to take care of it, or maybe they'll call the landlord, but chances are they're going to at least take some steps to remedy it before demanding that someone else shows up and takes care of it. The Walmart person is absolutely going to get on the ladder and check the bulb. If the bulb's burned out, they're going to change the bulb and they're going to go on about their business. Now, I'm not trying to say that people, Walmart folks or Target folks are better or nicer than Nordstrom folks. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that they expect, they have different levels of expectations. So as a tenant, somebody that serves tenants, you have to position yourself in a place with your asset that it serves tenants that fall into a class very similar to you so that you are best positioned to serve them. Because that's really what this comes down to, boys and girls. As a property owner, as a landlord, or even as a house flipper, it is your job to serve the buying and renting community. That said, for you to be able to serve them effectively, you need to be able to understand what their needs are. If you don't understand what their needs are, then you're going to be putting uh, granite countertops in a mobile home and not understanding why the people from the mobile home think them granite countertops sure are pretty, but they're not willing to pay you five grand for them. Because five grand to somebody who lives in a trailer in a dollar store or Walmart neighborhood is too much money to spend. Okay. They're not going to, if you can't buy it at Walmart, it doesn't belong in their house. That's not being mean. That's just reality. That's just how things go. The folks in Walmart are usually a little more fiscally conservative. They're not, they're not going to get the, the ooh and ah factor out of that granite countertop. But in a Nordstrom property, if you get that Nordstrom property and you're rehabbing it, you damn sure better make sure you got granite. The target property, it depends. And it very much depends on the individual neighborhood and the, the tenant client or the, the potential buyer or tenant that you're going to be renting to. The next question you probably have is, well, how do I know? How can I predict the future? Well, here's the thing. If you're buying properties that are most appeal to you, that are something like you would want to live in or rent or whatever, then you're already going to understand your avatar, your marketing, your rehab. Everything is going to be tied to that person. So if you're a target guy or girl and you buy a target house in a target neighborhood and you rehab it with mid-grade Corian countertops or what have you, but not Formica and not granite, you're probably going to appeal to the masses, okay? You're, you're going to, in that space, you're going to appeal to the, the majority of the folks that are in the target space. So ask yourself these questions, boys and girls, when you're doing something. Ask yourself this, are they willing, is whoever I'm going to serve, are they really willing, beyond the shadow of a doubt, to pay for whatever this premium is? Let's go back to the countertops. You're rehabbing a mobile home in a community where the average income is twenty dollars to $30,000 a month, or a year, rather, they're not going to be interested in granite countertops. They'll think they're pretty, like I said earlier, but they're not willing to pay $200 a month more rent so that they can have a granite countertop because here's the deal. They can't afford to pay $200 more rent because it has granite countertops. So what will happen is you'll either, you're not going to get the value out of those countertops and you're just going to donate them to the project and you're going to get the same rent no matter what. And I see a lot of folks doing this. They buy rentals, they over-improve them for the tenant class. With that said, let me say this, though, because this is very important and probably one of my biggest pet peeves. Don't fall into the trap of under-improving a property simply because it's a rental. Because here's the thing. If you want a good tenant experience, if you want to attract quality tenants, then you have to do a reasonably good job in rehab and buy materials that will last because tenants can sometimes be tougher on things than owners, okay? Because they don't own it. That's just the way it is. Can't help that. 
That said, be cognizant of what people's needs are and be very, very focused on making sure you check those boxes. Okay. Don't be that guy or girl that does a crappy job renovating a place because it's a rental. Why would I spend any money on this? It's a rental. Hey, look, I found these cabinets came out of a meth house. I'm going to put them in my rental. I see a lot of that. And guys, that's not how you should be thinking. If that's your mindset, maybe you should reconsider being a landlord. I don't think that landlording is it for you. That said, guys, I hope you found some value in this. I hope you apply what I taught you here today. I hope you think about that. And frankly, look at your current portfolio. And I'm willing to bet you the properties that you have that are underperforming, the tips that I gave you about matching investor identity today, learning your own investor identity, and then making sure you only serve those people. I guarantee you that applies to why your properties are underperforming. Because if you buy a property that's in a nicer area than where you would normally live or in not as nice an area as where you normally live, this means you're probably missing the very important ingredients that the tenant that's in that class is looking for, okay? So take a step back, take a look at it. If you get stuck and you want to work through this, send, send me some pictures, info at cashflowguys.com of your rental and give me a call. Let's discuss it. Let's get on the calendar. Go to uh, cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler, get on my calendar. I'll help you work through this problem. Folks, I hope you found value in this episode. More importantly, I hope you apply what you've learned. I hope that you take things to the next level. If you haven't already, think about joining Cashflow Guys community. Get in there, ask questions. It's a great way to reach out to me directly. Ask questions. I'm here to help you. I want you guys to get things to the next level. I want you to get financially free. That all begins with taking action to get deals done, to get closed on more properties, ask more questions, raise more capital. And lastly, guys, privatemoneycrashcourse.com. If you haven't been there already, privatemoneycrashcourse.com. Quick and easy ways to raise private money this weekend, making it happen. Guys, have a great week and I will catch up with you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.